0: I <clears> you <throat>
1: evening mate hi mate how are you? How you doing yeah good thanks yeah good mate good not bad at all no, just I'm... making sure everything works mate you know it's like
0: oh no i was just I really hope my internet stays on it's quite temperamental but
1: mate you know, you're not the first one don't worry about that i'm just going to double was... check all bits mate how are you anyway you are good yeah good really good yeah what? busy but... it's carnage in it we'd love to wanted to get back didn't we but now it's just crazy
0: <laughs> yes too, too much too quick no nah, it's all right it's just you forget that you know we in, in footy, you're dealing with so many volunteers that mm. they've actually done a lot in lockdown because why would you if you're a volunteer of course kind of ram it all in for a couple of weeks when we do come back mm. so more complicated for us trying to fit it all in but it's all right
1: definitely rather, rather come back and be rammed than not doing a lot actually oh mate, we have plenty of time to plan don't we we just want to get on with it now yeah. I'm just going to sort the view out there. What I'll probably do is, um, I'll probably do it, because this is the first one I've done with just two, because I've normally just done like a couple from the club. Yeah. Um. So you got three or four, so it was a case of like, I was having to pin them every time, because it was just chaotic. So uh, this is a lot easier, hopefully. So I'll just do it on the, the, the speaker view, so it just goes, so it's for the recording really, mate. So Um, Mm -hmm. i can still see you but then when you talk it obviously go to you which would be perfect and it won't see my shiny head off the light (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect so um what i do uh, obviously i I trim all the bits um before and after um and i'll just put out what we what we talk about in a minute Um, this is like the final one mate of this topic so is it is i'm Please, you can come on and do it because it's, it's important like we, everyone has opinions don't they but they really sort of i think they need to know what's out there and then if something isn't out there then at least people know and then people can help towards that but a lot of people i think just don't know what's going on um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because of many reasons so I, I wanted to make sure that you've got opportunity to talk about lots of things that you know I, i've learned loads mate in like the two months i've been doing this the female game it's crazy isn't it um but it's really exciting but so yeah so we will go through those bits that i sent you mate and then i want to try and um cover as much as you can from your end um and then obviously any bits that come up that we can delve off and sort of some of the bits that the guys might have mentioned in the other podcast if they come along in the topics i try and remember them and, and and drop them in so it's not yeah. it's not um it, it won't just go straight on that list, but I try and cover those things importantly, talk about your programs and then just really talking about yeah. your experiences, mate, because uh, if you've been doing it all these years now and what I've learned in two months flipping that, so you you're going to have loads in your head. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's been interesting, mate. So, so yeah. So are you all right with that in that? All happy with that? Mm-hmm. Perfect, mate. Brilliant. We'll just sort this out, mate, and then I'll get that so I know where to clip from later. And then um, we'll start off with your introduction, mate, OK?
0: OK.
1: And it's going to turn your sound up a bit. I don't know. It keeps dropping out, but I don't know whether it's the sound or your internet. But
0: um, Internet looks decent at the minute, so I'm not,
1: don't think it's mine. No worries. Right. We'll go. We'll go for it. Perfect. I'll, got that that's all sorted brilliant okay let's get going then mate let's get going so um first of all appreciate you coming on um it's it's nice that you've uh, we, we struggled to get in the day because like we both said we're, we're quite busy so we're doing an evening so appreciate your time massively um but the ones that have been watching and listening before this is like bringing it to the close of the chapter for the female topic which it makes sense to get you on because you're going to introduce yourself in a minute and then everyone will see why, because you're heavily involved in the female game in the county. Um So it seemed the right thing to do, after to speak to the clubs to get an understanding of what the county do. So um this will hopefully then answer many, many questions. And uh, I'm excited to, to to see what comes of it. So over to you, Matt, if you could give us an introduction to what you are, who you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera that'd be amazing, mate. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Chris. Um,
0: yeah, so Matt Hodgson. Um, I'm the women and girls development officer for Devon FA. Um, we also do the safeguarding role, but obviously we're here to talk about the female game tonight. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of what we do, but generally it's about getting more girls involved in football at the early stage and supporting their pathway and transition through into hopefully female adult game in the future, um, as well as looking at Coaching opportunities, uh, volunteering opportunities, refereeing opportunities for females as well. It's not all just about um, about playing, but you know, as we talk through this, you will see so many different programs to try and ensure every female has got an opportunity to play somewhere. Um, I've worked worked there now for eleven years. Um, haven't always done the women and girls role, so started off as just kind of a generic FDO. Um, and then sort of change around the staff led to me taking on the, the women and girls role now which I've been doing for must be eight years I expect now um, so you know as we go on so much has changed in the world of women's football in that time so it's good to be a part of it
1: Brilliant so that that's perfect because th- th- this is one of the big things I want to come on to straight away so I've, I've got down here um, and, and I know we're not going to cover it all because eight years is a long time so I just want to get so some of the biggest things that, that you've seen so from a from a, an FA point of view from the from county FA but also from your personal experience, um, female football when you first entered into, into that realm what it looks like when you first stepped in the door eight years ago to now you know uh, and I'll let you explain I, I've seen bits in the last couple of months from the FA and, and what the women's games doing. so it's, it's gone crazy in 10 years and you've been a part of that. So can you just explain how, for someone like you, how that looked, how it felt and just some of the big things that have changed?
0: Yeah, sure. So when I first started in the role, I'm um, not going to lie, it's quite scary because I hadn't had a big involvement in, in female football previous to taking on the role, obviously working with the county, previously I knew what was going on. Um, but it's such, at the time, I suppose such a unique uh, format of the game in terms of Used to the men, I'm used to the men's structure, having you know, grown up and played in it. The female structure at the time, there was a lot happening, but there was no kind of joint-up approach to anything. So there was lots of teams around, and there was a good number of sort of female teams, but there was no kind of structure in terms of how do we make sure that girls at a young age are able to get involved in, in footy? How are they then able to take the next step into what might be like a grassroots club team and play some league fixtures? After that, are they going to feed into a ladies team that is, is linked to that youth club? Um, are we going to have more females as role models for the youngsters to look at? Slowly but surely over time, thanks mo- mostly to the sort of the national success of female football in terms of like the Women's Super League starting up, the England ladies team not quite getting over the line for a gold medal yet, but doing so well at some of the big tournaments, um, and just. A lot of work that some of the partners have done uh, and the FA have done to just promote female football and get it to kind of a level that we are now. It's, it's taken time for it to sort of come through um, and when, by no means there yet of course uh, there's still so much to do with it but we're at a stage now where those kind of pathways are more um, set in people's minds so we know that from a young age and we'll talk about some of the programmes later but girls uh, pretty much from the age of five now can get involved in affiliated football um, whether that's playing pitches, or not is another matter but they're able to start the same age as a boy would um, and the pathway all the way through is kind of similar in the sense that they, make, they know there's a future for them in, in, youth, in youth football then into adult football there are still some struggles um, which are the same now as they were when I first started and geographically Devon is probably one of the hardest counties in terms of that you've just got such big distances for people to travel um to to get involved it can be the case for boy teams but obviously if you've got a girl that's living somewhere a bit more remote like the Kingsbridge areas or very far in East Devon or North Devon and there doesn't have, there isn't a girls team that is at her age there's that difficulty of actually there's not an offer of girls football for them um which is where probably one of the biggest changes has benefited in terms of mixed football um so when I first took on the role, mixed football was permitted just up to under 11s, um, primary school age. It then very quickly went from the 11s to 12s, to 13s, to 14s, we're at the position now where actually, it's just all the way through youth football. Um, there are, of course, less girls playing mixed football at 16, 17, 18, but we have now got that opportunity for girls to play anywhere they want, not just in the girls' team. Um, and as we'll come into again a bit later when we talk about sort of the, the girls' talent pathway. The girls that have played in mixed football that time um, really benefit from the development that offers. So, so kind of in the summer, we've gone from a, uh, lots of things happening that no join-up approach, and there's not really a kind of vision for the future, to now having nationally-led strategies on girls' football about how we get them involved, how we retain them in football, how we give them a pathway through to play at the bottom level of ladies' football, if that's what they want to do, or have the opportunity to progress the top level if they've got the ability and that's what they also want to do
1: brilliant mate i I think you there's so much there to 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 look at that we could talk about and i want to just pick up on on the area because i've lived it all my life um and, and and it's not just a female thing is it it's just in general we will always be in my opinion always playing catch up to big cities and and big hubs yeah. where you know we tend to get things a little bit later or, or just geographically like you said it's just very very difficult um what what's your take on the amount of so we'll talk about the pathways and i think it's really important to know like you said we're, we're talking about players at the moment but there's also many avenues which i hope you cover later as well for, for any females in the sport um i want to just touch on now when you first started the amount of girls teams and, and women's teams how much has that changed and um, some of the players we spoke to before at the clubs, you know, they, they really spoke about not having those role models. There's like one or two around that, you know, that they knew about. And now, like you said, there's so many that you can you can name that, you know, most girls that are interested in football will know of them. So, you know, how has that changed for you as in locally, though, for, for the clubs in, in Devon?
0: Yeah, so... Um... I mean, if you look, if you're going to base it on the kind of the numbers of teams that we have in Devon, actually, the number that was there when I first started, in comparison to the number that we've got now, isn't that different. It's not as if we've gone from there's only twenty sort of you know female teams to hundred of now. There were a large number of teams previously, but actually, there was lots of teams that were kind of like registered or affiliated that didn't actually play a lot of football. They registered because they had some girls that trained, and we had a kind of um, downward spiral in that when I first started, we were a bit more efficient in terms of actually, let's make sure we're recording properly where there's opportunities for girls to play rather than just letting clubs decide where they want to. So we kind of had a drop off um, a year or two after I started in terms of being a bit more honest about where the opportunities are. And then since then, and that links into all the big FA programmes, it's just gone upwards and upwards and upwards in terms of the number of teams that are growing. Yes um general interest and obviously once you know once a local club starts doing something another local club might go well we need to start doing that otherwise we're going to get left behind there's been a little bit of that which is is positive having a little bit of healthy competition um but a big thing like you've just said there about the role models that, that might be role models nationally so it might just be knowing that who Fran Kirby is who Steph Houghton is who you know who these players are now because some of the football or a lot of the football the ladies football is on mainstream tv they're actually able to go and watch them as well rather than just know about them which is fantastic but more locally as well thinking about some of the role models that we've had um, and again we'll touch it when we we'll talk about the talent pathway but Devon is has a really proud history in the last sort of certainly my time of having players start you know, their football journey at nine or 10 and actually go on to be selected for England setups. And we've got some players now that are playing you know, in the women's super league, the team. So Devon often, like you said, gets thought of as, oh, it's just, you know, it's a rural, rural county, it's got a very old population. You know, it's, it's also relaxed down there. You no, know, like we've actually got real talent down here. Um, the one thing that makes it difficult for us linking into those role models is we haven't got a big female club down here. We've got Plymouth, Argyle, Exeter, City, Bucklands. So we've got some really good level of clubs, but we don't have a Bristol City, a, you know, a Chelsea, a, a Liverpool that are playing in the Super League. That Not only have they got the brand linked to the men's football and it's, they're huge clubs, not so much Bristol City, obviously, but some of the other ones. They have got really good female setups. Um, we're not there yet. Obviously, ambition is to look at the likes of, you know, maybe Plymouth or Exa linked to a pro club. To hopefully make that jump to keep us going in that upward spiral, Um but we're in a really healthy position now in terms of teams, and like I said, we, we've got good coverage across the, across the county. But we're not finished. There's a lot more work that we still need to do.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, it was. It's interesting because talking to the, the clubs you just mentioned then, and that those guys. Uh, unfortunately, um I, I didn't get a chance to do Exeter, and, and funnily enough, today I was going to speak to Jamie at, at Yeovil, which is obviously now got that link with Bridgewater so we're trying to find out yeah, a, yeah. a little bit about that and he had an internet where it with his car so we, we've had to reschedule that so I'm looking forward to that um I know that's slightly out of our, our county so it's just somebody that was a bit closer that I, that I played football with that it was another slightly yeah. higher step um I think it was important for me to try and grasp the difference in the leagues like you said you know we can't compare what we do down here to Chelsea's you know it's in your man cities because it's just a, such a different setup so so I think it's finding what we can do down here like you said and and doing the best what we can but I think what I want to touch on there what you said was um the pathways you know I remember that It's very difficult down here, and we and I and and I hope you you mentioned some of the successes in a minute. But there's some real good talent down here for for boys and girls. And you hit the nail on the head that everyone thinks that we're a retirement sort of county that we come down here chill out. Yes, we are relaxing. Yes, we got the the pleasure of bringing up our kids in a in a you know pretty safe environment compared to obviously the hustle bustle some cities. So you take the good with the bad. I appreciate that. Um, But. I think they they really do confuse that with that we got no passion and pride and hunger down here. So, so it's nice to to know that we are having those successes because I think if we keep having them, then more and more people come down like they will do with with the males as well. So, yeah. uh, can you talk to us then, please, about um so uh, a young girl starting out um wanting to have their first taste of football. What does a pathway look like in in Devon? What does it what does it entail? Um, how do they go about doing it and 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 to get to that final point, like you said, these final points are going to be different. They might not be playing, they might be refereeing, they might be coaching. So can you give us an idea of what the the county FA offer for girls Pathway, please, mate?
0: Yeah, sure. So, (laughs)
1: Um, I've actually just been out before here to visit one of our
0: Wildcat centres that we've got. So I'll I'll start on that. So um, the Weetabix Wildcat centres just changed branding to Weetabix, which is great to have such a big brand on board. It's part of what's been so great for female football recent times, that you're getting some big players on board with the sponsorship and stuff. So um, the World Cup's programme is essentially um, two or three years old, but it's really starting to get into its own now, is the introduction into football for five to 11-year-olds. So it's kind of going back in time to maybe 10 years ago where that school club links was so important for girls football and trying to get them out of school and do some football. The FA's directive has gone away from that a little bit. Um, in my time and we're coming back to it now thinking about actually we need to give girls an entry route in at five five years old or you know in primary school age why that's so important is because still now our girls teams don't really start playing in sort of league structures until under 10 under 11's age group there are some clubs that run them younger than that but generally you're kind of the girl's seven or eight and wants to wants to be involved in football at the minute her real only option is within mixed football, um, which can be great, um, but it's not always ideal for all of them. Um, so what the Wildcats does is it just gives them a real basic introduction. And it's so much of the program is not about your standard turn up, have an hour's worth of football drills and, and play a small side of game at the end. It's fun, fun and friends is kind of a tagline for it turn up, have, have a giggle, make some jokes with your friends, spend some time colouring in some of the activity books that are provided that are football-based, um, doing some multi-skill stuff, but with an element of football in there somewhere. Um, they're working so well. The one I've just been to has got sort of, they're at the max 30 girls that they can have at a session and they can't take any more at the minute because they're already at the max. And there's others around the county that are the same. Um, It's so good to see an opportunity for girls at that age to go and experience some football, but it not have to be run by a male, predominantly level two coach that wants to teach them proper football skills rather than just facilitate a session for girls that want to have a bit of fun and play some football. Um, So that's, that's going to be a huge part of what we do in the next few years in terms of increasing the number of girls that are involved in that entry level of football. Um, again, it's not for all, we get some eight or nine-year-old girls that come along to Wildcats and after two weeks they go, actually, I think I need a little bit more than that. I want to be in a team where I can play some fixtures. That's the sort of girl that then we would think about. Well, there is actually a mixed team locally to you for that opportunity. So that program is, is, is really important in the entry route. We've then got quite a good structure in terms of um, clubs playing within league football. Um, So again, geographically, because of what we've got to deal with in Devon, we have kind of four uh, north, south, east, west, but we've got girls' leagues that kind of cover each different area. So we've got what is called the Devon Girls' League, which cover kind of east, mid and south. Um, There's a north Devon Girls' League, which, as the name says, clearly looks after the north region. And then the DGM have a really strong girls' section or divisions to to their league. Um, They run it kind of like every other age group. So to ensure we've got maximum participation they'll run at odds age groups for one year and then even the next year it just ensures we have good numbers in divisions rather than teams leagues of four and five we've got leads of nine and ten um that's worked well um it might be something we need to look at in the future in terms of going back to single age bandings because the numbers are looking good but that's kept a lot of girls involved in playing that age group and then obviously we've toyed with and, 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 and run a couple of times, some under 18s divisions to bridge that gap between youth and open age or adult and ladies teams, because there is a large drop off of the Same with male and female, um, just a little bit more prominent with, with females dropping off of that kind of 16 to 18 age group. So there's a little bit of work we need to do there to keep make sure that that pathway works from five-year-olds to keep them then into adult football. Um, and at kind of the the, the top scale or the, or the older scale, we, we'd started the ball rolling with getting, like we refer to them as just play sessions. Um, for ladies maybe that played years ago or don't want the competitive element of training and pictures every week and just want to have a kick about a bit like Wildcats, but for ladies at the other end of the, of the age spectrum. So we've got a few of those that have set up um, around the council. Again, that's something we need to make sure we've got available everywhere because the key thing that's coming out of this for me is that we need to make it accessible for every, every woman or girl in football there needs to be something in that area that they can get involved with if they want to um but we certainly got the makings of a really strong pathway there we just need to work a little bit on the the younger age and the older age the middle ages is
1: is doing pretty well brilliant thank you mate so that that's interesting so the wildcats so when they come in and i think this is something that um, through the ages that, uh, and I want to touch about the the, the banding. So I'm glad you mentioned the age banding because, uh, like you said, at some point um, there's got to be a brave decision. I, I I presume from from somebody to go. Okay, we got enough players now to to go to single age banding. And I yeah. think for me as well, looking at the younger players, um, it, you're quite right in saying a lot of them might not want to go to clubs. They might want that first. You know, they're learning social skills they're coming in it's a friendly group you know they're, they're seeing different kids they don't see at school and nursery etc etc so for me it's it's ticking lots of boxes who who predominantly is is the most important part of that are they always trying to be linked with clubs or do you try and do run them yourselves do you do you source them out uh, to yeah. certain companies so um, was released.
0: um the FA were very clear to say that actually this needs to be an accessible opportunity for all sorts of organisations. So naturally, the majority of them are run by established football clubs. Um, so like, as an example, we have our pro clubs, so Exeter, Plymouth, Torquay, all run Wildcat centres. St Southwest, West have got some Wildcat centres. But then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got some that are run by individuals that are kind of part of a club, but they've actually off their own back gone and set up their own Wildcat centre. Um, and what's really pleasing for me is we've had some, what we would refer to as being boy youth clubs that haven't got girls or haven't had girls teams previously have really got on board with Wildcats and gone, actually, can we have a Wildcats centre? We've got some girls locally that want to play. And they've kind of used it as a, well, we don't do any girls division. Maybe this can be the start of it. Um, like one I've been to tonight is a perfect example of that where they, it's a fairly newly formed youth club, but they don't have specific girls football until they got wildcats so it can be for anyone um across the country we've got like some universities run them i think some schools at schools that run them it's just kind of a program that just has to be accessible for the community So it can't be something that's running like in us in school time it's got to be out of curriculum time um and obviously because you're, you're dealing with young girls it needs to be something that's suitable in terms of time frame so running a a session from seven till eight o'clock in December is not suitable for a five or six year old girl that's not played football before they want to do it at half four till half five in the summer months or the spring months when the weather's likely to be better because I don't think it really matters what your interest in football is no one wants to be stuck outside late in the December in cold and cold freezing, wet weather do you so you can imagine what that's like for a young girl for their first experience to turn up to that so the whole program like I said is based on the kinder of months of the year although some run all year long um majority of them run sort of April through to September time over the summer months and it's just that key being relaxed there's no commitment if you want to come once a month come once a month if you want to you know come in and out and, and, and bring some friends with you one week because you feel like you want your mates there it's all good it's not about standard football where this is our No, so we can't have any more players coming in. Or, well, if you don't come next week, you're not going to be playing in the match the following weekend. There's none of that. It's just completely relaxed. And we're still quite infant in terms of the programme because it's only really been, because of the the impact of COVID, I don't want to bang on about that because obviously everybody does it. But that kind of put the Wildcats programme back a huge step because we just got to the stage where we had nearly 40 centres licensed in the county, which is incredible, really. Um, and after COVID, we're now looking, we've got a good number that are still going, but obviously some have lost a bit of interest or the desire or staff have moved on or they weren't able to commit to training or whatever it might be. So we're just trying to get the ball rolling again. Um, but like I keep saying, it for me, that is in the top two or three priorities in terms of what we're doing for the next three or four years to make sure that we're getting that influx of girls involved for the first time.
1: Brilliant. For for yourself and how hard is that to manage um, with all the different people doing it, schools, like you say, clubs. How how do you manage that for the next step? So um, obviously you're not able to see what every club's doing. Um, and I know it's a difficult job if you have got the, the 40, like you mentioned. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of girls that are playing that then the earmark into if they want to go into a club is a it's a big ask. Um how do you manage that then as a as a, a county to to know that that they're not going to be, for, I'll make an example up here, they're not going to be all funneled into a club where actually, you know, and never play because it's actually just looks great on, on a tick box, for example. I'm making this up, but you know, and, and to make sure that it's done right, and actually, they might have to do some joined up thinking to get more girls' teams at different clubs, knowing that they might feed three or four. How, yeah, yeah. how do you manage that? Yeah,
0: that's great. Oh, um, so, we have to go through an application phase, in the first point to reference, really. So, um when we get an allocation from the fa um you know our allocation was 39 particularly we already had sort of 15 so there was kind of new applications but we kind of earmark geographically where we'd like there to be some centers um so if we look, if we were to look at a map of devon i could have pulled a picture off you, and you were to pinpoint them on the map we've got really good coverage around the county because we focused on making sure that within reason every girl has got access to a wildcat centre that is reasonably close and when i say reasonably close i think the furthest might you might have to travel 20 25 minutes at the furthest distance in the county which is really quite good considering the sort of geographical spread of what we've got um so they have to submit an application that has to be approved by us so really we we, we don't really get any applications from clubs that we haven't already had a chat with um because we don't Although the application window was kind of open the first time round, we'd almost earmarked these clubs and already had a conversation with them about actually, we'd like to have one in your area. You're a club that we've got a good relationship with. Were you shown an interest in girls' football before? Could that be for you? Of course, you get the completely out of nowhere clubs. I could mention a couple not names, but mention clubs that are like boys predominantly and they've come in and said, we'd like to have a wildcat centre. They might be a risk. Um, So back to your question about how do you ensure they're doing it the right way. a calculated risk because we think actually if all it does is get a few more girls in that area playing football for a year or two what harm can that really do um but equally they're all given they're all given training from the fa they've all got license agreements in terms of what they're supposed to deliver and how they're supposed to deliver it um there was some coach mentor support for them before covid and they're looking at how they that's going to look in the future so it's not kind of just yeah crack on you run some sessions they are monitored you're right it's impossible for me to know what's going on at 30 40 centers um i feel sorry sometimes because i just feel like i'm keyboard wire and emailing them stuff all the time going you know is this happening why have you not done this yet and actually i want to be able to get out and see them um, as much as i possibly can because you know face-to-face stuff is much better especially when you're talking about girls for the first time if they're able to or parents probably more so if they're able to see the interest from Devon FA or from the clubs actually turning up to be interested in what's going on, that's got a lot more effect for them. Um, but I have to say, we haven't had any big issues with, with with clubs in terms of not running it properly. We've had a few that have never really got it going off the ground and they've had to sort of pull, pull the license and stuff, which you'd expect with, with that many. Um, but I, I've only got positive things to say about it. And everybody that you speak to that is involved in in it, it's just loving the fact that it's, the programme it is what it is. Um, And and there's not a huge commitment for the coaches either um, in terms of, yes, they've got to be DBS checked and do some safeguarding stuff, but we're not expecting them to be level two UEFA B licensed coaches. You've You've got to have a level one there, and then you can just have DBS adults there to assist a session. It's not about developing them as footballers really. It's about engaging them in football at the early age. So, Yeah, it's it's just great, mate. I can't, I I love it. It's such a great, great program. And the branding is amazing. You've not seen the new Weetabix stuff. It's, yeah, the old stuff is pretty good, but just like the imagery they use um, is so appealing. Um, And they have like Disney themed weeks and stuff, which if you're at my daughter's age, she's not really, I've tried to sort of go, do you want to have a go? And she's going to give it a go in a couple of weeks, I think, but she loves Disney. If I was to tell her actually this week, you can dress up as Moana and go and play football for an hour. She'd be there without a doubt and she might not even care about the football it's just getting them through the door to start with um which is what the program's program's doing really well
1: yeah i think you got to be careful years come by you so you would try and put a coach in there and think you can coach for five and six year olds and and then you're limiting the fun and, and the enjoyment and the engagement and and then there's no <laughs> no coincidence that they probably don't come back so uh no. so yeah there's a time and a time and a place for those coaches and it sounds like it's fantastic. And like you just said, just about getting them through the door, getting them understanding, being part of it in some way. So, okay. so when they go into clubs then, is, is it something that, um, is there, oh, I don't want to say targets, but is there, is there like numbers that you want to try and get into to continue in playing? Because obviously it'd be great to have all these girls coming in and I presume it would be then a little bit disappointing if they then just didn't do much after Wildcats and just fell out then. So, so how how hard is that to, to create these clubs? Or yeah. age group, should I say? Yeah, um,
0: I don't know yet. Because because it's still because the Wildcats is still quite new, we haven't really had um, that transition effect from Wildcats into teams. There are some. Um, Central in, in X was a really good example. They were one of the first ones to have that sort of Wildcat Center, and they've now got an under 12 girls team, Central under 12 girls wildcats they've, they've called themselves wildcats okay. which is great it'd be nice would it in five years to so have loads of girls youth teams called you know blah 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 wildcats because you can yeah, see where they're um target wise um we've we've kind of always worked from current fa perspective on like the kpis that the fa give us and that's usually been on like team numbers we've gone away from team numbers now really and we're looking more at like participation of player numbers rather than team numbers because what does team number really mean like you could have loads of teams with hardly any players and you still get the same recognition as another county that has the same number of teams with loads and loads of players it doesn't really work so we've got targets now that are based on player numbers um and wildcats is included in that from next year um in terms of making sure that the girls that attend the wildcat sessions are properly registered which is another issue that we need to sort out technology-wise with our centers but that will give us an understanding then of how many uh, girls and ladies are involved in football as a whole. In terms of monitoring how that transition from Wildcats into then club football works, I think that's where we're lucky that most of our centres do have that link with a club already, and you can kind of already see the drip feed of players. You know, it's for five to 11-year-olds, so sometimes you get majority eight and nine and one or two 10- and 11-year-olds, and some of the centres have said, oh, they're allowed to come still when they're after 11. You go. No, the program isn't for twelve-year-olds. It is for five to eleven-year-olds. Once they've reached that, you know, top end, then need to be transitioning into a team, or they may not continue anymore. Whatever, the, whatever the problem might be. Um, so, I think we probably need another. It's probably two years, really. I'd say to see how the Wildcats effect has had how that effect has worked um, for, for sort of the girls girls football. My. my vision or my hope would be that actually in two years time we look back at it and go well do you know what we've now got girls leagues or girls divisions starting at under eight under nine rather than under 10 under 11 and that can only be an effect of the wildcats starting the girls at five six and 7 There then being enough players for teams to create a girls team and we start at the younger age what we want to do ultimately is have girls starting in divisions at under sevens like boys teams do um, so that there's equal opportunities all the way through I don't think we're far off um and i just keep saying the wildcats is going to have such a big part to play on that um and not just those girls staying involved as players some mums that get involved and help coach um and the fact that they might then have a vested interest in maybe helping run on the team or doing some coaching or whatever it might be um it, the, the wildcats isn't just about those young players playing there's actually a lot that goes around it with with female coaching and things as well so it's just, it's just brilliant, and it's going to have a really massive, long-term effect, as long as we Tobics keep funding it. Hopefully.
1: So to be fair, I think it, it. sounds great. It sounds like it's, like you said, it's a few years away. I think you see a big difference. Yeah. So moving, moving to the older girls, um, and this was something that I personally have, have spoke about in the last sort of few podcasts with clubs because I didn't realise about this, which I'm going to mention now. So. So when we come to girls formats, we, we touched on the bandings and I get that. That's probably to do, like you said earlier, numbers, making sure that you're going to get a league running. So dual banding, I get. Um, what about the format? So and I'll give you my and I've said this previously, but my example was um, I now do a post-16 at Tokyo Academy with the girls as well as the boys. So this year was our first sort of um, full intake and we went straight into 11 v 11. We went straight into obviously coaching daily um, and, the, and the difference in girls was so vast that um, I sort of tried to find out what they had done before and, and you'd have girls that never kicked the ball before they joined TA in sixth form. You've had girls that have played in men's teams. Um, but the big thing for me was is that they had never played more than nine a side. Mm-hmm. So they have gone from under 16 playing nine a side into 11 v 11 in college and then probably within six months, some of them going into women's football, which is daunting from anyway, playing in a format that they've not played apart from the first six months in, in college. So what, what's the plans on that? And do you see that changing? Because for me, that, that's a huge step. Yes. yes. <laughs>
0: um, it's, it's something that is slowly really changing and it might not seem drastic, but like back from when I first started, a lot of the leagues were just seven aside, all girls age groups. Um, it used to be 11 sides at sort of the under 16 and age when I first started the role. Um, but team numbers were so low and the drop off was alarming that actually, I don't think the season was finishing with the same You know, teams were dropping out because they couldn't fit all the fixtures. Or you'd regularly have teams turn out with nine or 10 and getting battered, and it's not fun for anybody. So, kind of a decision was made back then to reduce the format. Um, the, vi- the vision is, and it has to be, that certainly at least a year prior to them have, making that jump into like ladies football there needs to be 11 aside exposure because how are they meant to prepare and it's a big jump actually i know it sounds like you know it's only two extra players but the pitch is a lot bigger the, the, the tactics that are employed in 11 v 11 can be very different um you can do a lot with 99 and it can be great but it's you know like you said it's not the same um the, the bigger concern for me probably is actually still the age that they're not playing uh, 99 at. So a lot of the leagues don't start 99 until kind of under 13. Um, and, you know, that's the age where boys start playing under uh, 11 v 11. So for me, it needs to be the vision that the structure would be a change down the age groups first. So we'd look at actually let's start playing 99 at 11s rather than 13s. And then, can we get our under fifteen, under sixteen agents playing some eleven v eleven football? Um, some leagues have toyed have been a bit flexible. Um, so, at those older age groups, going okay, look, we'll play a nine v nine league because no everyone can commit to it. But if on a match day or prior to match day, when you're confirming your opposition, you you've got a nine v nine pitch, which is brought in on an eleven v eleven pitch, and both teams have got fourteen players, crack on and play eleven v eleven. There's no there's no reason for that not to be allowed. Um, and as you know, like in a lot of the youth, youth football, in terms of clubs maybe thinking, oh yeah, but there's an advantage to play this out of the other. Goal doesn't come into it, they'll go on head-to-head records. So it doesn't really matter whether you're playing 9v9 against one team and 11v11 against another. Um, ultimately, all you're doing is giving them a better exposure to that format. Um, obviously, the girls that are playing um, within mixed football or that maybe are like this at a centre with us or with one of the other clubs, they're exposed to 11 v 11 at the, the younger ages. So, I mean, sort of from under four teams, they'll be playing 11 v 11. Um, but yeah, for the sort of the predominantly, what, what, what we'd class as the girls' teams and the girls' leagues, they're still that step behind where probably we need, need to be. Um, it's just a conversation we need to have with those leagues and try and get them to buy into the same um, vision, if you like, because what I don't want to do is have some, I don't want the leagues to be doing different things. Um, it makes sense to kind of, you know, this is what we see as a vision for County FN, this is what we'd like them to do. Um, we've looked looked at it with our County Cups as well and gone, do you know what, at some stage, our under-14s or under-16s County Cups, maybe we just go, they are 11v11, and if you play them 9v9 at league football, that's great, but actually, if you're going to play our County Cups, they are 11v11. 11 11. Um, and back to the sort of the influx of girls, I mean, a lot of teams now have got good... Healthy size squads. Um, you know, there obviously are some that still need to recruit some, but generally you're looking at squads like that, that potentially have easily got enough to up, up the format a little bit. Um, but for the development of the game and to so sort of look for the future in terms of those girls that might then feed into some of the clubs we spoke about earlier, the, the, that sort of higher level like Argyle, Exeter, Buck and those sorts of teams. Um, but they haven't had that exposure to 11 11, they haven't played mixed football they're going to really struggle with that transition. So, yeah, great question. It's definitely something that we it needs to be to be looked at. Um, I think now is probably not the best time in after the lockdown and things because we understand that some might have stepped away or dropped out. So we need to be a bit tentative with turning around for next season and going, right, you're doing 11-11. But perhaps over the course of next season, that's where we start talking to the to the clubs and the leagues and go, can you start pushing this for us? We really need to get it to be on a par with, with boys football. I keep doing that for boys' football you know, Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Brilliant. I, I've touched on the, on the younger ones and I've touched on on the older ones there of what what's hopefully going to change for them. Talk to me about the um the ones that are um stepping into mixed football and that are excelling. The ones that and I, I want to hear about the girls that have you know been through the pathway and been really successful. What's out there for the girls that are absolutely flying and you know? It's horrible to say, but are too good for their girls teams in, in their ages and they have to go and fly the nest and find it elsewhere, predominantly probably playing in boys teams. But how do they then get back into playing high level girls teams?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, again, that's a really, it's a really good point about that kind of stepping into playing mixed football and then getting back into to girls football or ladies football down the line. Um, so there's a mixture of girls that play in mixed football. um it's not always the girls that are excelling. There's a lot of girls that play mixed football because it's the best option for them. Their friends are boys and they're in that team or they're in an area, still there are some areas where there isn't a suitable age group for them to play girls football. Um, it, in some areas, it is as simple as, well, the girls be playing on a Sunday, but actually the boys will be playing on a Saturday and we can't do Sundays because they might do another sport or have other commitments. So there are girls that play mixed football not, on an ability-wise. And then on the flip side, obviously you've got some girls that have always been involved in mixed football um, and that has really helped them develop into into great players. Or you've got other girls that have played, like you said, have played in girls' leagues or girls' teams and got to an age where they think, I need to be a bit more challenged here. Um, And they've decided to think about, let's try and make that jump into mixed football. Some girls have done that as late as like under 13s, under 14s. And they've played girls football through to that age and then realized actually i'm quite good um I, I really want to push myself here um with an ambition of you know making like you know big big time in a few years a few years down the line um it, it's something that is it can suit a lot of lots of lots of different sort of variety of girls and ability of girls um from a sort of center perspective which what i know you've got down on your sort of agenda for us to have a chat about as well but it, it's for us now we're at a position where I don't know percentage wise, but a really high percentage of the girls that are with us at our advanced coaching center are playing mixed football. Um, and we're almost at a stage where if they're not, we're encouraging them to consider it and not necessarily to replace the girls. but also it's quite a lot, do a little bit of both, which is great because we don't want them to leave playing with their friends and where they've played all that time. But actually they're, they're a girl that have, you've got real potential. Um, it's so important that they're really, really pushed weekly with their club fixtures. Um, There's only so much we can do seeing them once a week for training and playing fixtures 10 to 12 times a season. We need them week in, week out, getting really pushed to the highest level. Um, And you've got girls that are playing up a year in a boys' team because they're good enough to do it. Um, And I think that perception is really changing now, Chris, because years ago you'd have clubs going oh it's a bit you know we don't really want a 14 year old girl playing with our boys because they're physically too good or you know they're just not they can't cope with it whereas now you get in boys teams fighting for some of the girls to go into their teams because they know how good they are um and that's that like kind of testament to how clubs have taken that mixed football on board and kind of gone actually why why would we treat a girl any different to a boy if ability wise they're on a the par or you know able to cope with it um We've even had two or three girls, more than that now, but four girls teams play in boys leagues and do well. Um, team in Plymouth won a boys division under 12 a couple of years ago. So, you know, there's such a big statement to make, isn't it, that girls can compete with boys um, and they need to be given that push if they've got that ambition ambition down the line to really sort of make it. Um, and that, some of them have got, of course, they've got that ambi- ambition to make a career out of football. So the best way for them is to is to look at, you know, the best option, which generally would come, in, would come in mixed football.
1: So I was really, like, pleasantly shocked when I, because I, I spoke to um, Natasha down at Marjons and doing the the girls' performance centre down there. So I'm, I'm trying to, like, work with them, and, and it's opened my eyes to, to the sort of bespoke programmes that they put for the real... Sort of pathway for the the international team at a young age, and I spoke to Sarah as well, who's local down here that is involved with the England setup, and they they explained to me that you know there's I think there's a couple of girls in Iverbridge. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm okay to say that. So it's that they're, they're excelling, and they they then go to a boys' club. I think they then go to um, like an ADC, but then they might go and get some one to one, and they go and get some strength conditioning. And it's amazing to hear it. It's like I think is fantastic, um and then on the, on the other hand, I think, well, you know, if there was loads of them, you wouldn't have the time, to, you know, and the, and the resources to do that. So it's great now. What happens when you have loads of them, and does it then take away from the unbelievable time that they're getting and the, the real bespoke programs that they get? And I, I was really impressed, and I, I had no idea. I had no idea that happened, and I was, I was gobsmacked in a good way. Um, but like you said, I think that they have to have that based on. Because we're not quite there yet in the growth of of the female game, so they have to do these extras.
0: Yeah, I mean, we if you look at it basically like we, we don't have a Chelsea Man City like you spoke about, so we haven't got that female structure in terms of like the real top end elite clubs running girls' football. Um, having the women's high performance centre at Marjon is amazing, there's only 10 of them in the country, so. You know, geographically, we were likely to have one down this way because Southwest is such a big area. But for us to get one in Devon is, is amazing. And like you said, that what they offer for the, the girls that are really high performers is it's exceptional. the offer to get like it's not just. Well, they do a bit of extra training. They've got such individual programs for them. Where Sarah, that you mentioned, Sarah will go into their schools and support and have conversation with their schools about what's their school program looking like. Um, can we be careful about lessons on a, on a Monday morning after they've been on a camp all weekend? Can they, can they do some extra sessions somewhere else to catch up on these? It's not just always about the football, it's about kind of the education setting as well. Um, and the biggest, one of the biggest successes we've had in recent time, well, my time there, is we now have two girls that are training at the academy with Plymouth Argyle. That is the highest level that anybody of their age could play at, and they are training with them. Um, I'm really pleased Argyle have got on board with that because previously it was kind of the, and you know, understandably, so they're thinking actually, we're looking at boys that could go on to play for Plymouth Argyle men's team. Why does it benefit us to use our resources to have girls there that, with respect, could never play on the Argyle men's team because obviously they can't? They've now got on board with the fact that we have got an Argyle ladies team that are doing pretty well and more, even better than that, that aside, They've just gone, we've got some girls that are outstanding in their ability they need a real person where we can provide that for them bring them in
1: and they they i think it's great i think it's like unbelievable that you know somebody's got to do it and if, it, if they're the first to make that change i i think it's amazing because someone told me about that the other day and um and i started to i started to question like you just said like well can they play? Can they, can they play? Which I don't know if they can play in the academy. I don't know what the rules are in academies. They're not,
0: yeah. So they're not doing fixtures. Um, that's kind of not the aim at the minute. The aim more is just let's get them in their training programme. Um, down the line, who knows? Again, why can't they play in the fixtures? Exactly.
1: Exactly. You're looking yeah. at the bigger
0: picture here, we're all in a, the same country. We're all looking at pro- producing football players, male or female. If the best way to make England women better in the future is by having girls playing in boys academies at pro clubs at that level, then I think there's something that will, would come in. And a lot of the focus talent wise is is a little bit more, is more and more geared towards player focus. So yes, we have our, our girls uh, squads that we select, and they're all really talented players, but where there are the really elite ones um, we've been lucky to have, you know, five or six over the last few years that have, you know, been part of England camps and gone, even gone to tournaments abroad and things with England squads. Um, When we're talking about those, absolutely the minority, but the real elite talent, you've got to do everything possible to give them the opportunity to progress like a boy would be able to do um, in in football because there's just so many opportunities for him. So it's a great structure. And like I said, the High Performance Centre is going to be a really big part of giving them those extra bits that, we're unable to do I and mean, i'm unable to do from a character perspective because we just don't have the time and the resources to be able to really focus um into them other than when we deliver the acc program which you know is working really really well um but it's it it's just so important that they they're, they're pushed I think that the work pushing the right way they've got to be pushed to their limits
1: to, to, to be able to sort of you know get the best out of what they, what they can achieve i love it i think it's great um adc then so We touched on that a little bit there. So, just can you give give me an overview of um, how did well how did it work? So, where do you recruit from? Um, What's what's the purpose for it? What's the exit route? Is there one? What's what's the start to finish look like?
0: Okay, cool. So, um, years ago, people would know it as a centre of excellence. So, years ago, it was the Girls Girls Centre of Excellence. Initially, you know, was run by Plymouth Argyle all those years ago. Um, That was not always taken well because in those times that was their club they were selected for their they had to leave their grassroots clubs that quickly became apparent in our region which is why we've kind of got this bespoke um, advanced coaching centers program that because of how we are in the southwest and it's the same in sort of the north northeast as well some of those areas um there would be girls that wouldn't bother to trial or they wouldn't want to trial because they wouldn't want to stop playing in their club, even some girls, um, I won't name her, but a, a player who for years didn't want to come to trial with us because she wanted to carry on playing in her boys, a, a mixed team and understandably so, um, because her concern was, well, if I stop, if it's time for you, I've got to stop playing for them, which is really helping me develop. Um, when the programme changed, we're going back probably five, six years now to, to the Advanced Coaching Centre program. I was massively involved and so was Somerset FA in helping shape what it looked like for the Southwest. Um, and we were quite clear from the start that you need to allow players to remain with their clubs because that's how we're going to tap into the girls that are playing mixed football that might be some of the more elite players um, and it needs to be supportive an additional offer to what they're doing so not to impact on let's go away from having Saturday fixtures, let's do them other times so that they can you know, get the best out of their club football. Um, so that, that programs worked really well for the last few years, it's kind of recruitment wise. Um, I'd love to be able to have like an ongoing recruitment process with a, a scouting network that go around and see all the girls playing, but we're just not in a position to be able to do that, unfortunately. Um, so the, the process works that we run yearly trials. Um, we didn't last year properly because of COVID, but we run a big trial process where they're open trials. Um, and. Anybody can register for them. That obviously they're eligible for the age groups. We don't go down the route of them having to be nominated by their coach or be, you know, kind of invited to come. We just want all girls to have that opportunity to go. I want to give those trials a go. Um, and it is great to see every year at trials you you, you get a real mixed turn up. And as we go down the years, more so, we are getting um, the the level of the trials is going up and up and up. And it, and it's made it so hard to choose squads in the last couple of years. Um, but it's still great to see that you get some girls that have maybe just started playing at under 11s or 12s. I think I'm, I want to go to the trials to see how I fit in comparison to the other girls, or you'll get girls that live in, you know, um, some reg- um, rural places that don't, don't see the girls from Plymouth 4 X to play very often. And actually they want to come to the trials to go, I'm quite good in my local team, but how am I in comparison to those? So you get some real, like surprise surprise ones that'll turn up and you think, oh, they haven't played much football, they've only played for a year. And then you see them at trials and you think, wow, there's something, there's something there. So it's it, it's great to see it in that sense. But obviously that we then do is we invite the ones that perform well at the first sort of phase of the trials back to then um trial with the girls that are already part of the squad um for the next for the next phase of trials, which is where then we select our squads for the season. So it can be difficult because you kind of, it's kind of, it's quite a closed shop. The trials are done and dusted in a couple of weeks. And if there's girls that can't attend or miss it, it can be difficult um, for them to get involved. Um, Of course, you know, if we know there's an exceptional talent somewhere that missed the trials or we see them out and about. We'd always try and like get a girl that is, should be at that level. We would try and encourage them to get them involved. Um, But it's the way we, the way the squads have been selected the last couple of years, we've, particularly at the younger age groups. So for quite a few years, we've had quite strong older age groups, but maybe struggled a little bit quality-wise with the younger ones. We had about 90 girls' trial the last time we ran full trials for the under-12s. You could have had 40 of them in the squads. There was honestly not many girls there that were of a good level. You kind of try to choose a squad of 16 players, and you're looking at ones that you're not selecting. You're like, I haven't really got a reason as to why we're not selecting them. They're outstanding players. It's just monitoring them. So for us, it's great to see that the level really going up um, and the program's really supportive of them. Cause once, once they're selected, we train weekly, we've got a load of really good coaches, high, high qualifications, but also just real vast experience in working, not just in girls football, but in Academy settings or understanding what an elite pathway looks like. Um, more and more now we're playing fixtures against boys teams, mixed teams. Um, which is really beneficial. Uh, we still play against the other county girls teams as well, but it's really good for us to have those additional fixtures where we'll play. We've got one in a couple of weeks, where we'll play on a Friday night at Coach Road and we'll have a couple of boys teams coming to play against our, our age groups. It's, it's so good to see the shock on their faces sometimes in a good way. The boys, you know, they'll turn up and they'll half-time, they'll be going, oh, wow, they're quite good, aren't they? they some of them still don't expect it. So it's really nice to... And you get so many compliments from the parents and coaches afterwards to say actually those girls are fantastic aren't they and it's they are you know equivalent or better than half the time than some of the teams that they've come up against so the pathway's there um and then obviously the, the benefit of that of the acc is that it is the, it's the place where the pathway feeds through them into when you spoke to sarah about sort of regional camps and and onto england camps um like I said previously, it's so exciting for us that we've had girls that have gone through and represented England at, at sort of youth levels and playing in the Super League now. And we've got several girls on our on our squads now that have got huge potential, real, real huge potential. Um it's just trying to make sure they're not overdoing it, which can sometimes be the issue.
1: Definitely, and for those ones that are like not because it sounds like you get more and more of a year to go into those England pathways, which is which is amazing. Yeah. Um, what about the others that then get to, because is the oldest under 16? Is that the oldest? Yeah. So, yeah. so what happens with the sort of the the middle group that, do you then try and tag with women's teams? Do you try and ear, ear, earmark certain clubs that you know that have, I mean, this come up the other day on one, that you have some teams that just have one women's team and that jump is too big for some, but then you have others that have a development team and a second team, which do, do you find that you try and work with those guys to try and get them in?
0: Yeah. Um, um, you did ask the I did answer it, did I? So, <laughs> I? <laughs> sure it yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's not always easy. So, part of the program is that so we've got under 12s, under 14s, and under 16s. Um, what we're really keen on is when they're particularly guys that have been with us from right from the beginning, It's a, we understand that it's a journey then when they leave us. Um, we don't just go, thanks for your time with us, enjoy your life in football, see you later. It is important that we feed them into the appropriate place. Um, we've got natural links with the likes of Plymouth and Exeter just because um, they both run a kind of, and Torquay, they both run a, like a sort of girls' centre programme. Um, so there's kind of a natural feed sometimes into those. Uh, location-wise, we have a large percentage of girls that do come from the kind of Plymouth West west area so there is there is quite a big crossover with 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 Argyle in that sense but what's really good is actually if you look at the girls that have left us over the last few years and you look at where they're playing now they are they are spread out they're not all formed you know it's not like the whole under 16 group go and make a development side for Plymouth or for Exeter or for one of those there's sort of four or five that might go to that club and four or five that go to that club and one or two that go to that club and what's also really important to remember is even though they've been in the elite pathway with us for a certain number of years, they don't necessarily want to continue that at 16. If they haven't been involved in maybe regional camps or England camps, they might have gone, do you know what, I loved being part of this. I didn't quite make the level that maybe I thought I could one day. And now I just want to play local football. I want to go back to just enjoying playing football. So we have to respect sometimes that there are girls that come out of the centre programme and want to just step into... Ladies' football at any level, and it's not about um, development any further for them, but it's just about staying involved in football. Um, but the vast majority do go on and play, you know, sort of good level, and that's important for us to keep feeding them into those clubs for us to be able to push in the future. Ideally, we don't want our players going from Devon's ACC to sign for Bristol City or for uh, Chelsea or whoever it ends up being we want them to sign for a Devon-based club that is competing with those, with those teams. Um, we get, and we are getting there. There's a really good link link with them. Um, but it's, it can be tough just cause we haven't got, like I said before, we haven't got that influx of sort of high level teams to really push them into, but we'll get there. It's just, you know, it, they need that vision. Don't they? they? They start with us. We want to be able to say to those girls that are under 12s, this is what we're aiming for. This is what you can do in the future. Um, but naturally, I think because of where we are, sometimes you've just got to accept that it's the same with boys. If you're going to make it at the very, very top level, where well, you're going to have to move to London or to Birmingham or to wherever it might be to play for those really, really big clubs, I think we've just got to accept that's that's where we are.
1: Yeah, but a bonus is, and and to end on a, on on that point, that you've got those success stories. So it's not like yeah. it's a pipe dream. You know, you've got them and i think that's the biggest thing and a lot of people in this area we can we can sometimes give as much positivity and and sort of understand of a great pathway looks like this but if you've got nothing that ever shows it's gone through it then it's it's a waste of your breath so you know it's it's hard to sell so you've got that success which is amazing
0: yeah and just one last one, always had really good um like feedback from the FA back in the days when it was kind of little old Devon got a player they want to push up to like the England camps and we'd get like the squad through and you'd look at the list of 23 players selected and it'd be Chelsea, 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 Chelsea Arsenal, 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 Arsenal Devon and you think we've got a player in the best 23 in the country selected in that squad you're right it's about letting everybody know about that and it's not something we're very good at we've had discussions today in the office about our strategy it, we need to show off more in a good way and say look we have got these players that have gone on to do this we've got players currently with us um, we just had a girl selected in Plymouth Schools FA squad, first ever girl selected in that squad, fully deserves to be in it. It's not, oh, we'll choose the girl this year. She'd be one of the better players in the whole squad. Um, we need to show off about that more. So, the girls, like you said, if, they, if, their, if their ambition is to go on to play at a high level and be an England player one day, they need to see that it's possible for them in this region that they play. Difficult so,
1: in it to a fine line between being humble and, and sort of just doing a good job and hoping that that's enough that people see it. But uh, unfortunately they don't. And sometimes you got, yeah. you got to shout out about it. Um, but if it's not in your nature, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, last couple mate. I appreciate that that we're getting to the, to the hour mark and amazing so far, mate. I appreciate your time. Like I said, a couple of last little bits. Um, hopefully we, we've covered loads. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm over to me. So, uh, a <laughs> couple of things I want to talk about, um, based on bits that I had in a previous podcast that I'm hoping that there might be a vision to, to make these work. So a couple of things that were mentioned before is this, I think is amazing that there's more girls playing more, more girls teams. That that's the aim. Um, how do you see that fitting in where we live in Devon as in venues? So, so one of the things we spoke about was, and we mentioned that on this podcast that somebody that does a Wildcats is predominantly just an all male club. Um, yeah. uh, and, I, and there's been some horror stories about, you know, they, they get a girls team in and they've got a quarter of a quarter of a, an turf because, of, you know, they're in the corner. We've done our little bit. We've ticked the box. We've got a female team, helps chat standard stand, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be, different stories, different clubs. Um, but how do you see that working? Because for me, my, my head, when I was trying to explain it, is that these clubs that are predominantly boy heavy. If they do want to add to that, you know, on top of the girls that are just purely girls teams. Um, how does that work with venues without trying to take away some of the boys' teams? Because we just don't seem to have enough, unless we invest in more often, more Africa, et cetera.
0: How do you yeah, see that? I don't know the answer. What what we have found a lot of the time with clubs that do get on board with, with girls stuff is that they make a real concerted effort to be like, positive positive discrimination is probably a good one in terms of like actually girls get often underrepresented and don't get the same treatment so let's make sure they get the good slot on that one but then that's got the knock-on effect like you've just said about well does that then mean that one of the boys teams doesn't get what they had before um facilities is always a huge problem we we're proud of like what we've got in terms of like we've got some really good 3g sites around um there's not a coverage, obviously, in every area of the county. In some areas, to being one is more difficult, predominantly because of the schools running a lot of um, other sports that don't want a 3G, they want a hard hard sand base. So it's not easy. Um, I think it's just about educating the clubs a little bit about not overdoing it in terms of numbers that they have. Um, so we've got some mega-sized clubs Um that cope with it brilliantly and they, they structure the session so that it's all equal and they, and they make best use of the facilities they've got access to. Um, I just, I, I don't know how until, like you said, until we get more facilities than, than we need, how you get around that issue of giving them that best experience and allowing them that the, the best opportunity to progress because they've got the right space to train and they've got the right facilities, the top, top facilities to train on um, to progress. Um, what possibly is is, is an option is we need to do a little bit of work with where we've got some girls standalone clubs possibly or you get like you know a boys club that has just one girls team but actually just down the road there's another club that have got good facility space do we need to be a little bit more open about just because you're with that club does that mean that you need to train at that facility Um, and obviously if you've got a 3g site people don't mind traveling 20 30 minutes to train on it because it's just so beneficial but actually are you going to would you travel 30 minutes to train on like you said a a quarter of a quarter or you're just not going to give them the experience they want to stay involved are you um i I don't know the answer to that one how how you get around it it's it's
1: a tough it's a tough question i just i didn't have an answer and i was like you know what um you know, and you mentioned it there, I think that the, the headache will be or, or the barrier will be that we have such a, um, how can I word it? it? It's so primal that a club is a club and they don't want to work a lot of times with other clubs. And yeah. um, and then I think we mentioned tonight that you need to have some flexibility in leagues, you know. So a prime example is, you just mentioned there, it shouldn't it shouldn't be out of the realms that you can somehow share a venue with a club if you play on a different day but then on the flip side I know that some clubs or women's teams within a club have been kicked 20 minutes down the road and they look at it like an insult that why can't we play on that club pitch but it might be that they're playing a Sunday and predominantly they've had the under 16 boys play their last three years and they're going to stay there so you have all these headaches which I know that I'm not asking anyone for magic wand because it's solid and I'd hate to be trying to make those decisions but but my head is is that I see the girls' game growing massively and, and quick. And yeah. for me, I can't see it being looked at equal very quickly if they're not going to get the same opportunities as the boys. And I'd hate to see all the hard work that everybody's doing if they're never going to be able to get on and then they fall off like, well, we're not going to get the same as what the boys again, for example. And it just, it's, the more I see of it, the more it's sort of, Dawns on me that we struggle for venues big time and unless clubs work together I, c- I can't see how you're going to improve that on going as hard enough as it is now difficult one
0: no, no I agree difficult. yeah I mean of, um, around, uh, in other countries for example or even in some areas of England you've got we've got some mega clubs they, they have super clubs you've got 40-50 teams that are in effect our equivalent of three or four different clubs running their own sort of, 10 teams, they've actually just gone, this doesn't make sense. Why don't we link these together? And then that, what that enables you to go down, facility-wise, you've got one club controlling how it works rather than two clubs fighting over the same aspect and getting slots. You actually work together and get, make it there. You also have that option then of, you know, you've know you got three, eight, three girls teams at one age group. That actually gives you the option then to go, well, we've got some players that, um, you know, don't aren't interested in playing too competitively. They just like to up and play. It gives you the option then to kind of put them in the right area. So again, geographically because of the size of Devon we don't' probably the exception because it's a small city with a big population in terms of in comparison to some other places. Everywhere else is so spread out. Um, I just think again, I think we've just got to accept that's how we are down here. Um, but like, like, we, like we discussed there just need partnership work is the key word I think isn't it Just less yeah, people and people working together to make sure that you, you're a boys club or, or a men's club with a, you know, a first team that play at a really good level actually we've got some facilities that might really benefit that girls team down the road why don't we offer it to them, why don't we let them use it on a Sunday morning because that will be better for them, that's the kind of route I think we might have to get to at some
1: stage yeah and uh, i a personal sort of story of mine I remember years ago and I won't say the names but I tried to merge a boys and a girls club together for the benefit of then you're working as one you've got two sites that then become one and you share it appropriately um but you always then are gonna either have to have two clubs agree that they're going to merge some sort of name and, and it's all especially if you're part and and I won't go into who it was but they were part of setting that original club up it was like giving their baby away so they're like they didn't want to do it and um, I honestly think at the time it was probably would have been amazing, but, you know, it is what it is. But I can only see that being beneficial, but you've got to be a brave person to to either lose your identity and for the bigger picture or, or merge your identity. So I'm hoping that that will change, hopefully. Yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> that's why I'm so sure to listen to these players. Um, I'm kind of off track a little bit but a big part in what we're doing in terms of like our, our safeguarding and stuff in the county is listen to the voice of, of youth so like in that scenario you've just described there it's like well the club committee might not want to lose the name and the club colours and whatever it might be but actually if you asked all the players and, and put on the table what the offer op- is what are they going to say but you might you know, get a few that go no we don't want to stop playing in that colour or whatever but actually the, most of them are going to go well yeah that makes sense we don't care, care whether we're called, you know, that name or this name. Um, hopefully we're at a point now where actually clubs are a bit more open to thinking about what do the kids want? What do the players want rather than what my pride says It's kind of what you're saying there,
1: isn't it? And I think we might have to be a bit sneaky and, and COVID's absolutely battered us for many reasons to get playing football. Maybe we've got to be a little bit clever with using COVID as look, they didn't play at all. So let's make sure that doesn't happen again by working together. So that might be a little, little. I wouldn't say silver lining because that's terrible to say, but you know what I mean by that. So, last bit, mate. Because I appreciate, um, fantastic again. I ask it on everyone, mate. It's it's part of obviously what the name is. What what do you think the female game players and the game looks like in ten years, mate? What what's your thoughts? In, in yeah. Devon. I'm gonna go Devon. Yeah, Devon. Wow, what a question that is. So. Can
0: I say eight years? that would be double since I started. So if I kind of look at it and go, I've been involved, let's say ten years, I've been involved for ten years now and I've seen the progress that's been made to here. If I'm fast-forwarding now in ten years, genuinely, I want to see a Super League club in the county, minimum one. That's ten years away. Like, that is really, um, sounds ambitious, but actually it should be achievable. I want to see girls' divisions play in the same formats as boys' all the way from under sevens through to under 18s and then into ladies. I want them to be playing the same formats, the same age groups. I don't think I can expect and say I want the same numbers of girls playing as boys. That's obviously an ultimate target is to go, that should be the case. But I think we do have to understand that the makeup of young girls and young boys is different. Um, and there are other interests for girls away from sport or in, in other sports that maybe there's not quite as many for boys. So I think we just have to accept that predominantly we're probably looking at what's always going to be a slightly heavier weighted boy sport but certainly get those numbers much closer and if you were to put them into percentages now and say we've got you know I don't know 15% of youth players are female and 85 and male well, let's get that to 70 and 30 or whatever just get that number closer together um I don't know how the pathway in terms of the elite pathway is going to look by then if we're lucky enough to get a super league club by that point then how I see the ACC now should would be very different but i still think it's still so important to have that um those role models so let's say in 10 years we're able to go look girls we've got two england internationals we've got five that are playing in the super league if we haven't got our own club by then and have more to show for sort of the the position we're at and then a big one um so that's kind of clubs and, and pathway. The big one for me would be that kind of school And although obviously my role is not really school work, As a whole, the FA priorities in the next few years are let's get equal opportunities for girls in primary schools. I'd love to be able to have some, like, some sort of process or evidence that shows that actually primary school and secondary school football is the same for both boys and for girls. And that they're able to feed into like those sort of post sixteen programs that boys can feed into so easily, much more easily for those girls that want a bit of football alongside their education. At the minute, there's not many opportunities. Um, it's easy to say, isn't it? Like, oh, well, let's just have everyone playing. But I think they, those are the kind of the key headlines. But also for me, it's that accessibility that we spoke about earlier. Those are like the kind of the, the mainstream aspects. But actually, let's be able to say in Devon that if you're five or you're 85 and you want some form of football involvement, there's an option for you. Um, whether that's Wildcats, whether it's walking football, whether it's coaching refereeing, we want everybody to be able to have, have their input into it. And on the coaching sense, we need to get, we need to have more female coaches able and comfortable to move up the coaching pathway. Um, I think that's only going to happen. The more girls we get playing, starting younger, you're naturally going to attract those mums. Because let's be honest, a lot of the the, the the males that end up coaching are dads at six and seven, aren't they? They get involved to help coach their son. They do a level one, they do a level two. or oh, I quite enjoy this, and they get into it. um If the girls are starting at six and seven, yeah, well, there's still going to be dads that are leading up. But that's how we're going to get the more sort of female volunteer workforce supporting the female game. Um, but yes, yeah, such a such an open-ended question. It could like could be anything. But it's just got to be upward trend, is not it? We've done the FA's done so much work to promote it and push it. We can't rest on our laurels and kind of just go, yeah, we're doing it right now. Let's just keep
1: going. It's just got to keep
0: pushing, 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 pushing.
1: Can't take um, your foot off now, mate. You can't take your foot off now. Definitely what, not. What about a player? What about a player? How do you how do you see a player looking differently ten years time?
0: Oh how do I see a player looking differently in 10 years time? I think because the, because the opportunity would be more uh, equal in terms of male football, I think what you're looking at is a female player being the technically, the te- technically female football has been good for years, but the physical element is becoming more and more important. So I think if you fast forward 10 years time, I think you'll see a bigger emphasis in, in female football in terms of, the physical and nutritional stuff that goes along with like the male game um because if you compare like the sort of the super league teams and the england teams now and look at the players they had sort of those years ago in, in comparison i mean chelsea's my team so i I've, I've really started following the chelsea women's team the last couple of years because it's been in the forefront of everybody's mind and there was a really good post that came up the other day and it was a post of